Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 313. If you are not using a budget, if you are operating your restaurant on a PL, stop that shit immediately. Take out a piece of paper, write down what your sales are going to be next month, write down what your target cost of goods sold is, write down what your target labor cost is, and track it. That's it. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Hiring a consultant to train your staff and to improve your restaurant can be expensive. Wouldn't it be awesome if you could just get advice from world champion baristas and leading restaurant consultants without spending thousands of dollars? Tipsy believes you should have the chance to learn new skills whenever you need to, which is why they have hundreds of hospitality courses available for only $9 a month. To give you a little something extra, as a restaurant unstoppable listener, you can also get 50% off your first month. All you gotta do is Click the tipsy banner in the show notes. Get on it. Are you opening a restaurant and stressing out with where to start? Or perhaps you've already opened your restaurant and you're finding yourself completely overwhelmed with the day-to-day task that only you know how to do. If you feel this way, I've got good news. You don't have to do it alone, nor should you regain control of your business and your life with restaurants owner.com. And if you go to restaurantowner.com slash unstoppable, you will get a 10 day pass for only $1. Get on it. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Ryan Gromfin, aka the restaurant boss. Ryan, are you feeling unstoppable today? I am absolutely feeling unstoppable today. Absolutely. Yes, that is what we like to hear. And this is Ryan's second time on the show because he just blew it out of the water the last time. He was a great guest. He just sprayed us, you know, just spit bombs of knowledge all over the place. And I was like, Ryan, anytime you want to come back, brother, my platform is your platform. Uh, We can learn so much for you. So anyway, let's just move on. (laughs) I don't want to build up his ego too much. He is great, though. Uh, Ryan Grumpen is also known as the restaurant boss, like we mentioned. After years of working in the kitchen at numerous restaurants, five-star hotels, with James Beard award-winning chefs, and the best hotelier in the world, he is now using his experience to to serve as an industry consultant at Authentic Restaurant Concepts. Today, he helps restaurant owners reduce costs and increase profit with efficient strategies, and you can find his work at www.therestaurantboss.com. So that's just painting the picture. If this is your first experience with Ryan, this is who we're talking to. Um, I want to get that inspirational, motivational ball rolling, rolling, Ryan, like we always do. So what do you have for us today? So today I'm like, I've been really in this like financial space for the last couple of months. And so today's kind of inspirational quote, well, not kind of, it is running a business using a PL is like driving a car looking through the rear view mirror. Mm. 
Running a business using a profit and loss statement or PL is like driving a car looking through the rear view mirror. And I'm assuming we're going to spend the next time explaining <laughs> yeah. that. So but that, that's where I'm at these days. Awesome. And yeah, we are going to dive deep into what you mean by this uh, real quick. This is typically where we learn more about our guests to find out how they got to where they are and why we should be listening to them as an authority or as a mentor on the show. Like I said, Ryan's been on the show. That was episode 256. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 256 if you want to learn more about Ryan's story and, you know, plus just learn everything he shared with us with that first episode. But we're going to Treat this episode like we already know and love Ryan, and let's just take it back to that quote. Um, running a business by a PL is like driving a car looking through the rearview mirror. What do you mean by that? Well, PL statements, a profit and loss statement, is a snapshot of a moment in time. It's not a video image, it's not what's actually happening in your restaurant now. It's a snap or in any business, I should say, but restaurant. It's a snapshot of a moment in time. Now, that moment in time can be as small or as large as you want it to be. Most people are looking at a month-long P&L. And if you were looking at a daily P&L every day, it would be better. You would still be looking through the rearview mirror, but maybe with bifocals, like half in the rearview mirror, half looking forward, or maybe like chewing gum and walking. But what I mean by this is that most people don't get their P&L until 5, 10, 15, 20 days into the next month. So we're recording this on the last day of a month. And most people will take a couple of days to get their information to their bookkeeper or themselves. It'll take them a couple more days to get it entered. There'll be a few mistakes. Then before you know it, it's the 15th of the next month. So if you find out that your food cost was two points high, what the fuck are you going to do about it now? <laughs> if you find out that your labor cost is three points high, what are you going to do about it now? You're 45 days late on the information. Awesome. So, okay, let's get to how do we get from being in that situation where we are 15, 20 days behind uh, our restaurant, not living with our restaurant, but behind our restaurant? Uh, how do we get to the point where we're on top of this? And what, what things can we do to you know kind of get a hold of this? Budget. Okay. Budget, budget, budget is the absolute key to getting ahead of your numbers. And we'll talk more about it as this as this goes on today. But I know what your fears and concerns are right now. You're thinking like, one, creating budgets is complicated. Two, how am I ever supposed to create a budget? I have no idea what my sales are going to be. It's changing all the time. And so we're going to come back to this. But the analogy that I like to use is, is your restaurant a hobby or a business? And what I mean by that, this isn't in any way um, a judgment or derogatory in any way, but you know, every blue moon I go out and I like to shoot a gun with a friend and we have some fun. I, I, I no longer live in a, in a big city anymore. I live kind of in the middle of nowhere and my friends have wineries and ranches and guns. And when we go out and we shoot a gun, we put a rock on a, or a, a beer can on a rock or a bottle or a watermelon and we want to watch it blow up, right? But if I miss that watermelon left or high or right, I, I don't know where I missed it. I just know that I missed the watermelon. I can't see the bullet fly by the watermelon. So it's a hobby. It's something we do for fun. And it's a ton of fun. Don't get me wrong. 
But if I were an Olympic marksman or if I were a sniper in the military or if I was required to kill an animal to feed my family, I think I would use a target. Well, I know I would. I would use one of those circular targets with lots of space around the target. So after I take my 10 shots, I can go up to the target and study it and I can learn was I high? Am I low? Am I right? Am I left? What are my tendencies? I can adjust my scope. I can adjust my technique. I can learn from my mistakes until my shot dispersion gets closer and closer, right? The first time I put a gun in someone's hand, you're not going to hit 10 out of 10 in the middle. The first time you do a budget, you're going to be so far off, it's going to be laughable. But at least you're measuring something. Mm. At least you're getting the process started. And then next time you're going to be closer and closer and closer and closer. And it's a developed skill like anything else. But the idea is that if we can create a budget, I'll just get into this right now. Let's just let's get rid of let's debunk the, the difficulty part, too. So that way we can have this great open conversation without you saying it's too hard to do right now. Let's just assume next month you're going to do $100,000 in sales. The numbers are, 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 they don't matter, but let's just assume you're going to do $100,000 in sales. If you have a target cost of goods sold of 30%, or let's just say if you have a target food cost of 30%, you can't spend more than $30,000 on food because 30% of $100,000 in sales is, um, $30,000. And I said that wrong. It would be cost of goods sold uh, for total sales. If, if we wanted to know your food costs, we'd have to know what your food sales are. And then we can divide that by just your food sales. We'll get into more specifics later. But basically, if you want if you want a cost of goods sold, total cost of goods sold, so food, beer, wine, liquor, everything, let's say you're going to do $100,000 in sales, target cost of goods sold 30%. You can't spend more than $30,000 on food in that month. Now, I know that there's inventory calculations that come into play and all this other complex stuff, but for the basic thinking of it, if you're going from not operating with a budget, if you're running your restaurant on a P&L to where you want to be now, it's that simple. If you want a 30% labor cost, you do the same thing. $100,000 in sales, 30% of $100,000 is $30,000. Now, when you create your your uh, schedules, just make sure that your schedule for the month has less than $30,000 on it. Awesome. So, okay, we've created our budget or we, we've created these, these targets. I mean, I'm assuming this is the target you're talking about. You're creating the target and you're going to aim for that target and you're going to miss. You're going to be either high or low. So let's kind of take that analogy of how we should be tracking something and why uh, choosing that target in the, the way of using terms of tech, like accounting and budgeting as uh, you know, that beautiful example you gave us before now take it and do the same thing in this, this situation. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so now, now let's go through that on a daily basis. So if you start your month and you say, we're going to do a hundred thousand dollars in, we think we're going to do a hundred thousand dollars in sales this month and your target cost of goods sold is $30,000. Okay. You can't spend more than $30,000 on product. Now what you do is every time you make a purchase, you can do this on a scratch piece of paper. You can do it on an Excel spreadsheet. You can do it on um, some software. There's multiple ways that you can do this. But the idea, let's just talk in theory at the moment. The idea is that every time you make a purchase, you deduct that from the $30,000. This is called a declining balance sheet. So again, you start at the top with $30,000. Let's say that an order from Cisco comes in for $1,500. Well, now you have $28,500 left to spend. 
Uh, two days later, $2,000 liquor order comes in. Now you have whatever that is left to spend. And you keep deducting down. And the idea is that, you know, I often say to people, I'm like, well, when you run out of money, you can't spend any more. I know that's not a reality. I know you're not going to have five days left in the month. You're out of money and you can't go to your chef Shut and say, the sorry, restaurant chef, down. <laughs> Shut the restaurant down. We can't spend any more money. What did I say a few minutes ago? The idea of a budget is not to be perfect. It's to learn from your mistakes. So mm. there's two things that you're going to learn here. One is let's start getting more proactive instead of reactive, right? If we're reactive, that means we're waiting until there's a problem. We're waiting until we can't pay our bills. We're waiting until we get the P&L from the bookkeeper to find out that, that we were over. Whereas if we're proactive, we're tracking it on a daily basis. So one, just the act of tracking it, just the act of writing down your numbers and just seeing how quickly these numbers add up rather than pushing them off to your bookkeeper, you're just going to be like, oh my God, I can't believe the amount of money we spend on a daily basis in this restaurant. So that's going to start to kind of wake you up a little bit. But then that idea of, hey, if we're if we're 50% of the way through the month, so let's say it's a 30-day month, on the 15th of the month, take a look at it. Take a look at your budget and see, are we approximately halfway to our sales? Are we approximately halfway to our purchases? If you are, great. Keep up the good work. You're probably going to hit your targets this month. If you're a little bit shy of 50% to your sales target and you're a little bit shy of 50% of purchases, you're doing great. But here's the scenario that most of my clients find themselves in the first time they do this. They'll get halfway through the month. They'll be a little bit off, usually short on their sales predictions, but they're actually going to be over on their purchases, which is the worst case scenario to be short on sales and over on purchases at the halfway mark. But here's the beautiful thing. At least we know it now with 15 days left in the month. You can do something about it. It might not be perfect. You might not be able to increase your sales enough with 15 days to catch up. You might not be able to slow down your purchases with 15 days to catch up. But it's going to be better than if you didn't know the information at all. And here's the tool, the example I like to use. And it's, a, it's not the best example in the world, but it's clear. It's crystal clear. You can buy soy sauce in a one-gallon jar, jug. You can buy it in a five-gallon bucket from your broadline distributor, right? Those are going to be the easiest ways to buy soy sauce. And every restaurant, I don't care what kind of restaurant you are, you probably have soy sauce in your restaurant. And most of you probably have a five-gallon bucket sitting on a shelf, and you cannot pay your bills with inventory. Now, I know what you're saying. You're saying, well, it's not going to go bad, so who cares? I got it. I, I saved money by buying it in five gallons. But the point is, is if you're halfway through the month and you see that you're you're not trending in the right direction, you're a little bit over on purchases, you know what? Buy one gallon of soy sauce. Don't even buy four by one yeah. gallons. Just buy one gallon. I got you. Don't buy a 20-pound block of cheddar cheese. Only buy the five pounds that you need to get you through the next couple of days. Again, it's not the perfect long-term solution. The perfect long-term solution is going to be that we start adjusting your prices, your portioning. We start looking for theft. We do all of the things we need to do. But the point is, is you can't pay your bills with inventory. You can only pay your bills with cash, cash in your bank account. 
So by knowing where you're at in your cash purchases compared to your budget, you can start to make minor adjustments. And trust me, all of those little adjustments, 20 bucks here, 50 bucks there, 100 bucks there, are going to turn into thousands of extra dollars within a couple of months of doing this exercise. Awesome. Uh, so, I mean, I think the big lesson here uh, clearly is just what happens when you start budgeting. The effect is you you have a situational awareness. You know where you are. You know – because you're tra- – essentially, you're tra- – this tracking allows you to create the big picture of where you are, if you're high or low, and what you can do right now to be proactive to make sure you can hit that mark at the end of the month. Um, and all these little changes do matter in the long run. And listening to you talk, Ryan, I mean, I just can't help but think about um, past guests that I've had on the show, like Nick Cirillo, who I think, I don't know if he coined the term, but it's trust and track. Uh, his management style versus, you know, there's trust and track, and then there's command and control. Uh, his whole thing is once you build these systems. Once you start tracking all these things, now you can remove yourself. Once you learn how to do it, you create that system around doing this. Now you train, you duplicate yourself, you train the other people to do this. Now you can track, take this idea of budgeting even on your books, but use that same mentality in all aspects of your business. Any thoughts about that? Well, absolutely. Because I like to talk about how I I like to allow my managers train tracks or I'm not using the wording properly here, but I like to manage within train tracks. So if you can imagine there's a left and a right or a high and a low or whatever it is, you know, I like to give my managers some range and some authority on things. I'm not a fan of micromanaging in the sense of needing to approve every single order, needing to be a part of every single order my chef does. But I also am not the kind of person, like you said, you know, uh, Command uh, whatever command and control before yeah. that something about tracking uh, you know there's there's tons of cliches like that yeah. i agree with all of them you know what we measure we fix there's there's all of them but the idea is go to your chef at the beginning of the month sit down with your chef sit down with your beverage manager maybe you're the chef maybe you're the beverage manager whatever sit down with yourself and have a meeting schizophrenic style but the point is is look at your budget look at your predicted sales and now you can say to your chef you can say hey chef 30,000 bucks to spend on food this month. Buy anything you want. I'm not going to sit here and judge you and tell you you should have bought this or you should have bought that, but don't spend more than $30,000. And then every week in your weekly manager meeting, which most weekly managers meetings don't have a structure, here's something you can do to add structure to your weekly manager meeting. Take 10 minutes to review your budget. That's where you can sit down with your chef and your chef may come to you halfway through the month and say, I'm way over budget, but we're also so much busier than we thought we would be. Well, now that's a great time for you to adjust your budget, and then your uh, your purchases will adjust with that. But the point is, is you can now give your chef, you can give your managers the tools they need to succeed. As a manager, as an employee, one of our biggest fears, one of my biggest fears was always, no matter how good of a job I thought I was doing, I was always afraid that my owner didn't know that I was doing a good job because they always found things to get me in trouble for, no matter what. If I ordered five gallons of soy sauce, I got in trouble for spending too much money. If I ordered one gallon of soy sauce, I got in trouble for not saving money and ordering five gallons. If I took advantage of the liquor special and got the free bottles, I got yelled at because there was too much shit on our shelves and there was nowhere to store it all. But if I didn't take advantage of the free bottles, I got yelled at for not spending enough money. And you never knew what to do. But here's a tool you can give your staff, your managers, and you can say, Spend this much money on liquor. Buy whatever you want. Don't spend more than this on liquor. And then at the end of the month, they can, they know if they did a good job or not. You know if they did a good job or not. Yeah. You know, it just 
listening to you, um, I was thinking about before when I was thinking of our, our boy Nick's real, but I was also thinking about uh, the great game of business by Jack Stack and Bo Burlingham. And in that book, they're talking about they they kind of brought to the forefront the idea of open book management. And when I was listening to you talk about, you know, at day 15, you can see, OK, here's where we are. Now, imagine if you were to take those numbers and say, hey, guys, this is where we are. We're short. Like, we're not going to make our goal at the end of the month. And you were to explain to people, like, this is why we need to be, like, what can we do together? Now that we all know this is where we are and this is where we need to get, what can we do together? Like, start just thinking creatively. Ask people. And when they know where you are and what could happen if you are just, you know, mindless or in what you're doing and not considering what the effects of your actions are going to be when people know where you are and if you're short and they just have that information and you share this information and you ask for their opinions like that that can be very powerful for your business any thoughts on that yeah i mean exactly to your point how different is the conversation going to be rather than going to your chef right you you wake up one morning, you come in, you look at your bank account because your payroll just got deducted and your quarterly taxes just got deducted and you just paid to have your walk-in fixed and all of a sudden your bank account has $47 in it and you're freaking out and you're in a <laughs> shitty mood and then you walk downstairs or into the kitchen and Cisco is rolling up and they're rolling out big order, you know, a pallet after a pallet. And you're just like freaking out. And then what do you do? You start yelling at your yeah. chef like, what the? And it's just a natural reaction. I've been there. Yeah. I've made every mistake in the book. I'm not going to tell you I'm perfect. The only reason I know this stuff is because I needed to find better ways because I was doing it that way. I was reacting to every situation. Um, and so imagine how different the conversation would be like Eric just said is – if you sat down with your chef at that moment when you're not feeling good or at a meeting and you said, hey, chef, let's sit down for a few minutes. I want to share with you why I think we're taking in a little bit too much food. Rather than just you're ordering too much food, show them why. Show them the numbers. Show them, listen, we, we budgeted for this much in sales. We all sat down two weeks ago and agreed to that. We've also agreed that you're going to try to stay within a 32% food cost, which means that you can only spend this much on food. But here we are now, and you're you're trending to be about 8000 over by the end of the month. So exactly what you just said. Hey, maybe later today, you and I, once you get all this food put away, you and I can walk around the restaurant together and try to find some areas together where we can save on this. How different is that conversation than the other one? Mm -hmm. Which one can you relate to more? If it's the first one, it's okay. We've all been there. No judging. If it's the second one, you've probably turned this off by now because you are already doing this and you're unstoppable and you're freaking awesome. awesome. And I love you for that. <laughs> Great. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like just uh, when we're doing these things, like we're tracking all this stuff and we bring our team in on this information, like they, they write about in the book, it's all about the game. If we can gamify things, if we make it about the game of business and the game of business is just like any other game in the world, there's goals to hit. It's hitting numbers. It's, it's working together, understanding but you gotta you gotta teach your people. You've gotta explain to them what's going on so they can play the game of business. And if they don't understand the game, it's like trying to watch baseball and look at the stats of baseball. If you don't understand that game, it's not gonna be fun to watch or play because you don't understand what's going on. You have to explain these numbers and what these numbers mean. And when you get everybody playing the same game, tracking these numbers, uh, you know, maybe I'm taking this too far from what you wanted to talk about today, Ryan. <coughs> no, but no, um, no. It, no. it just you be, gotta develop your yeah. people. You yeah. can't you can't 
you can't manage everyone. You can't micromanage your people. So you have to create these systems for them, right? We manage systems and develop people. You have to develop your people. And what Eric is saying here is create the system in the budget, give them the train tracks, tell them how much money they can spend. Let them be a part of that. Don't just, don't just roll it downhill. Don't just say, by the way, chef next month, don't spend more than 27,000, bring them in on it, make them a part of it. So that way they can commit to it. It's called, I call it opt in management. Mm -hmm. Think about it. It's no different than, um, at some point in time, if you want to get a free gift from someone's website, you're probably going to have to put your email address in and in exchange for your email address, they're going to send you the free thing that you asked for. And then a couple of weeks later, you're probably going to get mad because you're getting the emails and you're going to say, I never asked for this. But in reality, you did. You opted in for it. It's opt in management. It's the same thing. I, I want my managers to be a part of the system that I'm creating that I'm then going to use to manage them. So have them be a part of this system, have them be a part of creating the budget. And then now when you go back a couple weeks later and sit down with them, they can't throw it back at you and say, well, that's just some number you gave me. You're like, no, we came up with this number together. You were part of it, but you're, you're never even going to have that conversation because they were part of it. Awesome. I think we're at a great spot right now to take a break and thank our sponsors. So we'll be right back. Whether you're just getting started in the restaurant business or if you're a seasoned veteran, there's always something new to learn. That never ends. <laughs> but what hasn't changed is the time you get to learn. Tipsy has taken everything you need to know and put it in one easy to access location. With Tipsy, you can learn what you want, when you want, by accessing an incredible library of video courses on topics like food and beverage, service, marketing, and business operations. It's basically a one-stop shop for everything you need to run a successful restaurant. You can also use Tipsy as a staff training tool. Through the management platform, you can select the courses that matter to you and schedule them out to your employees in a few simple clicks. Individual memberships are only $9 a month, and as a restaurant unstoppable listener, you receive an extra 50% off your first month. So what are you waiting for? For $4.50, you can have access to this incredible resource right now. Just find the tipsy banner in the show notes. After studying over 300 successful restaurant professionals, I've discovered that to be successful in the restaurant industry, you need skills that go far beyond knowing how to cook. All of our guest mentors are damn near experts on business operations, systems, and culture. That is not a coincidence. That is what it takes to be successful. This is exactly why I tell everyone I know who wants to open a restaurant or is in the restaurant business to get a membership to restaurantowner.com. For only $29 a month, you have access to over 300 templates, including business plans, checklists, forms, manuals, and procedures. In addition, you have countless resources at your fingertips. To join a community that has helped over 40,000 restaurant owners make better lives for themselves, head over to restaurantowner.com slash unstoppable and because you are restaurants unstoppable listeners you will get the first 10 days for only one dollar again that's restaurantsowner.com slash unstoppable we're back so ryan the article you shared with me you you use this word pivot do you want to dive into what you mean by pivot and how how we as independent 
as in the pivot independent <laughs> um, operators uh, are added an advantage to some of these bigger guys, these big these big wigs, these these you know corporations, because we're small and how that makes us better pivot and better able to adapt to any given situation day to day. Do you want to shine some light to that? Yeah, so you're 100% correct. Being a small operator has its has its advantages. Mostly its advantages are the ability to be small, nimble, turn on a dime, pivot, like you said. Um, and what I mean by that is exactly what I just – is kind of what Eric was just mentioning. And, and your ability to make a change quickly is that if you are slightly over-purchasing – there's no chain of command that you have to go up sometimes. There's no, I got to get permission from this. I got to talk to my district manager. We got to change our product. Like you could just implement this immediately. You could pivot on a dime. If you don't like the way your sales are going, this is a great segue into something that I really want to talk about. I was trying to find a way to do it. So, okay. I, so thank you. No um, th- this, this relates to this idea of we're not in control or we are in more control of things than we think we are. And, and I started saying we're not because uh, I have this conversation all the time, but it's popping in my head now. A couple days ago, I was on the phone with a gentleman who I was showing my software to that will help do all this stuff. And we were going through some things. And I said, so if you're 50% of the way through the month and your sales are only at 40%, is there anything you can do about that? And he, sh- he just said, he said, no. And I'm like, excuse me? He's like, no, there's nothing I can do about it. I'm like, then get out of the restaurant business. You've given up. You're done. Yeah. And he was taken back by that, but I was serious. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, if you don't think that you're in control of your sales, if you're relying on hope, it's a strategy. It's just not a very good one, right? Write that down. Hope is a strategy. It's just not a very good one. If you don't think you're in control of every single number in your restaurant, Get out of the restaurant business. Give it to somebody else. Go get a job. Again, I don't say that with any judgment, but I don't see the world in gray. I see the world in black and white. You're in a hobby or you're operating a business. You're in control or you're out of control. It's black or it's white. It's systems. So with that said, if you're halfway through the month, you're at 40% of your sales, sure, you can do all this stuff to cut costs, but go do something to create more sales too. Social media, run a special, do a gift card promotion, um, call up a, a charity and get something booked in the next couple of weeks. Call up the local high school and raise some money for their school. There's, there's, there should be a hundred buttons on your desk. And, and in my program, I talk about this a lot. Imagine flying in a cockpit. Um, I'm a, I'm a private pilot. I fly a very small airplane every once in a while. It's been a few years now since I've had the kid. I don't like to fly as much anymore, but before I, or within the cockpit that I fly, there's, there's, there's only about 20 buttons in total, right? There's some gauges, there's some controls there, but there's not that many buttons. It's a very simple airplane. Well, then if you get into the cockpit of a 747, there's freaking buttons everywhere. It's crazy. I have, I have some clients who own a restaurant who are 747 pilots. And we love this analogy because they had to be trained over and over and over and over again for thousands of hours of what all those buttons do. But the point is, is you should have this cockpit at your desk, at your restaurant of like 30 buttons you can push if you need more sales, like 10 buttons you can push to cut costs, like, like 10 buttons you can push to do all these different things. And then once you find yourself in a situation like let's use the let's go back to airplane analogy when when Sully needed to land his airplane on um on the Hudson he just flipped in his little book to water landing and there literally is a page that says water landing 
And within two seconds, he didn't have to memorize it, but his his co-pilot starts calling out flaps to here, this to here, landing gear up, speed here, horizon here. You should have that playbook in your restaurant too. And if you don't, Start working on that. Start coming up with a list of all the things you can do to increase sales. Start coming up with a list of all the things you can do to cut costs. So when you find yourself in a situation, just go to the playbook and be like, we haven't run that play in a while. Let's do it, right? No different than football or baseball or anything, right? The quarterbacks got the little thing on their arm with all the different plays. So they know like, oh, we're in this weird situation. Let's run this play right now. Professional versus amateur. Mastery versus dabbling. Yeah, and the word – so I was a commercial pilot. I went through the commercial training. Oh. I flew the big planes, and you're great using a great analogy here. And, I mean, what, what Ryan is talking about is protocol. Uh, if this happens, then these series of events need to happen next. And you're not making decisions. You're not scratching your head. You know the standard operating procedure – procedure when that light comes on is to open the book and read it like a monkey and do the things it tells you to do. Um, and if you, as when you're first getting started, you're, you're in your first two years of running a restaurant, you're, you don't know what the hell's going on, but if you make a point to create these protocols, so when these things do happen and when you're not there, but you have a play, you have a protocol put in place because you remember when you were there, you give the tools to your people. That, that's what Ryan's talking about is these, these protocols are tools so you don't have to be put in that decision or that position where you have to make the decision um great stuff and that was a great analogy and right yeah, if I mean, you're out of town it's as you build your playbook right the first couple of years it's what it is it's it's testing it's a struggle okay this didn't work don't write that down okay or do write it down but say why it didn't work this works this so then in three years from now when you can start to back out of your restaurant you're out of town for two weeks you don't need to get a phone call from your manager when he sees that sales are off this month to say what do i do because they could the manager can now open up the playbook and say no that's going to take too long no that's too expensive oh let's do that we haven't done that in a while and then it's written out what to do you know what to put on facebook what's special to run um who to call to help you with the graph you know whatever it is but Totally. It's about, and when you said it's like, like, look at it like a monkey, it's not that you're, it, no, it's great, but it's not that your managers are idiots. It's not that you're an idiot. It's not that Captain Sully was an idiot. It's that there is so much going on. Like the last thing we needed Sully worrying about when he's got one minute to put an airplane down on the water is trying to go back to his training 30 years ago. His brain is thinking about so many things. It's black and white. Put this switch here, put this switch there, put that switch there, land the plane on the water, right? You know, as a commercial pilot, what was it? Always like fly the plane first or something? Yeah, like always, fly, fly, yep. fly? Fly the plane yeah, first. Yep. Don't get caught yep. up in, you know, trying to do the, you know, right. the calculations and right. complex fly the problems. Plane first. Fly the plane, exactly. So, so the people on the ground, when they weren't stressed out, wrote the checklist. So you're up there flying the plane. They already did the calculations for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, you know, we, we went real deep here and I'm loving everything, but I'm going to try to bring the conversation back to the surface, back to when you were talking about, uh, when you were, you were, you were give the example of talking to this <laughs> gentleman and you ask him, okay, so we're, we're short or we're not going to hit our goal. We're at 40, um, you know, I can't remember exactly what you said, but yeah, you asked them, okay, to like, get out of the restaurant business. <laughs> yeah. What can we do? And, or you said, what, is there anything you can do to, you know, react to this? And he said, no, uh, I want to go to that moment because something that's very powerful, um, about how the, the human brain works. Um, we, as humans, if we are able to understand that our frontal lobe is where our creativity comes from, when we tell that part of our brain, no, it shuts off. 
it doesn't work. It, it, it will accept that as being the default. The, the solution is it's not possible and your brain just, it, it just stops. Now, if you were to take that same situation and you were to tell your brain how, if you ask your brain, how is that possible? How can I, the, there's a part in your brain that just turns on and it starts getting creative. I mean, we, uh, they talk about it in um, Think and Grow Rich. I mean, you, you're, you, you tap into what he calls the ether of just infinite intelligence. Like if you can think it, you can create it. Yeah, it's right there. Ryan just held the, the book up in front of the camera. We have this ability to, to like to, to basically think our way out of any situation if we get creative or we <coughs> ask ourselves how. So whenever you find yourself saying, no, that's not possible, slap yourself and then ask yourself, how is this possible? And you will turn on a part of your brain that will get you out of so many just rough spots um and it, it provides hope and really hope at the end of the day you need some hope sometimes uh to have that you know to, to keep you going to keep you showing up but if you say no then there is no hope you failed yeah um so. there's two things to two things to quickly add to that and the first one is you know when roger bannister was trying when everyone was trying to break the four minute mile like back in the late 30s i think it was right like for like six weeks or eight weeks straight, everyone was getting like one, two, three seconds short of the four minute mile. And it was it was nearly concluded the human body just can't run that fast. There's no human way to break a four minute mile. And then one day Roger Bannister did it. He did it at like four seconds under. It was like 356 or something like that. So for all of eternity, nobody could run a sub four minute mile. And then within three weeks of Roger Bannister doing it, six other people ran sub-four-minute miles. Was there this massive change in technology during that three-week period? Nope. Was there a, a new diet? Did they create runner's gel? Did Nike create some new lighter shoe? Absolutely not. It was exactly what Eric just said. Before people believed it couldn't be done, they couldn't do it. Then the minute someone did it, Others pushed themselves harder because now they believed and they knew it could be done. Awesome. When you know you are in control of something, you will find a way to fix it. Yeah, this is great. And um, just to kind of bring it back way up to the aerial view again to kind of – we've been jumping all over the place. Yeah, I'm, I'm really good at going into, the, into I, the depths. When we get together. <laughs> the deepest, darkest places. <laughs> so just to bring it to the surface, to create the, the, the big picture, um, we got – on this topic, on the, the the topic of budgets, right? When we have our budget and we're seeing that we're not going to hit our budget, um, what we can do um, to make sure as time progresses, as we evolve as restaurateurs, that we record these solutions in a playbook under protocols when we try new things. Um, so when we see over time, as we get the experience, we'll see that this thing is coming up, this this problem is coming up and we'll recognize it. Like, up, oh, been here before. I let's try these few different things um, and record all that stuff. So when 10 years down the road, when you're all crippled because you spent the entire life in a kitchen and you want to take a, a week off, you'll be able to because you've created all these protocols, all these, if this, then what, you know, you created that for the people that come up underneath you. Um, but really what we're talking about again is just, you know, making, I guess, documenting the possibilities and knowing that, at the end of the day, ask yourself, ask yourself, how is this? How can we fix this? Uh, how can we? Let's go even. Sorry. No, I was going to say just how, like, just document it. So you have a playbook to go back to. Um, do you want to add something? 
Yeah, just go even higher than that. Like, let's start way back at the beginning when we talked about budgets of like, yeah, we got into this weird thing. We can do another six-hour show about documenting your systems, about yeah. what a real business plan is versus those lame business plans that you download where you just fill in your restaurant information and you've got your operation manual and it doesn't do any good for you. But the whole thing here is like just start by measuring something. Mm-hmm. We can worry about how to fix it later. Your your body will will grab the low hanging fruit instantly, right? The eighty twenty rule. Just by knowing you're you're a little bit low or a little bit high, there's always low hanging fruit. There's always one thing you can do without even needing to think about it. Now, what Eric and I are talking about are pretty advanced strategies. From you know, you've been doing this for a year or two, and now we need, and it's great. But for now, if you are not using a budget. If you are operating your restaurant on a PL, stop that shit immediately. Take out a piece of paper, write down what your sales are going to be next month, write down what your target cost of goods sold is, write down what your target labor cost is, and track it. Mm-hmm. That's it. Do nothing but that and send me an email in 30 days, send Eric an email in 30 days, and tell us that things didn't get better. Do nothing but that, please. Do nothing but that. Awesome. Great stuff. And um, where are we on time, man? I always lose track of time when I'm talking to you. It's been three hours. (laughs) Yeah, right. um, (laughs) So I guess, are there any tools or is there anything we can be leveraging to um, get quick access to these numbers to make the process of of tracking easier that you want to share with us? Yeah, unfortunately... Your POS system will do some of this, and QuickBooks will do some of it. But I, when I started consulting about five, six years – when I was operating restaurants, let me go back even further. I, I was using spreadsheets and all kinds of things, and it was really, really hard to get all this stuff. Like I said, my POS did some of it. QuickBooks did some of it, but there was nothing to bridge the gap. And for about the last four years of my consulting, I've worked with probably a dozen different software companies, and I've given them everything I have of how they could make their software better for the average independent restaurant owner out there. And none of them were able to make the changes to their software that were so simple. And so about a year ago, I just said, you know what? Actually, it was about this time a year ago. I said, you know what? That's it. I'm going to do this myself. And we've created a piece of software called Bacon. Um, And you can learn more about it at clickbacon.com or at therestaurantboss.com. I'll link you back over there. But it's a very inexpensive tool. It's a very simple tool to help you do not just this, but it, we've got all kinds of other things in it. I'm building it to be a tool that helps you operate a better restaurant, not just control your finances because that's part of it, but also control your operations, also control your staff, also control all kinds of things, and we're adding stuff to it. But I would love for you to check it out. It's brand new. We're still in the early adopter phase of it, depending on when you're listening to this. It might not be brand new. But – um. It's, 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 I'm so proud of it. I'm so proud of this tool. Uh, and I think for your average everyday independent restaurant owner, it's going to be just the stuff you need, not all the other complexity. And it's going to be priced at that level too, where it's not the most complex piece of software in the world. It's very simple and it gives you the tools you need. Awesome. Uh, cool. So I'll have that link in the show notes if you guys want to check that out. And this is restaurantsunstoppable.com slash 313. So just head over to the show notes. I'll have all the links right there for you. And Ryan, you know, I don't let anybody go without calling somebody out first. So who's somebody you admire in this industry and think would be a great guest mentor for us? 
There's a chance I said the same one last time, but I don't think I did. And if I did, he deserves a double shout out because since last time, I have a different level of respect for him even more. But Bill Bracken, uh, he was the first chef that I really ever worked for at the Peninsula Hotel. And um, there's two chef mentors in my life. One taught me how to operate a restaurant. One taught me how to make food taste great. Bill, don't get me wrong, Bill's an amazing chef, so this isn't anything about that. But Bill taught me how to operate a restaurant, how to manage people, how to manage systems. But he has since gotten out of the restaurant industry, and now in the city that he lives in, in in Orange County, California, he bought a food truck, and he is doing amazing things with that food truck. He is serving meals to people who need them. I mean, five-star meals. He's getting donations from other hotels, donations from vendors. He's literally going into hotels where he's friends with the chefs, taking any leftover stuff that they have from banquets and things, properly cooling it, repurposing it. Um, but he's an amazing guy. It's brackenskitchen.com if you're interested in maybe checking it out and donating. But Bill Bracken, dude, he's, he's, a, he's a massive, massive mentor of mine. Bill Bracken, yes, that was the gentleman you called out last time, and I did oh, reach him, but we didn't, we weren't able to, to get him on the show. It was bad timing, so this is a good reminder for me to reach out to him again, and uh, I'd love to get you on the show, Bill. And um, just one more time, uh, if anybody wants to reach out to you or connect with you, what's the best way to connect? TheRestaurantBoss.com, and then the email is as simple as Ryan at TheRestaurantBoss.com. Actually, you could email anything. You could. Anything at therestaurantboss.com will work. Just remember therestaurantboss.com. And this is episode 313. So head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 313 to find everything right there in the show notes. Ryan, thank you again for joining us uh, for the second time. There is no questioning, my man. You are unstoppable. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me here. And it's been a ton of fun. I'm happy to help. Cheers. Well, I hope you guys uh, found value in today's discussion with Ryan Grompham. He knows his stuff and he he really, you know, has a way of explaining things and uh, spelling it out easy to understand. And it's not complicated. Just track these things. It, it takes discipline more than anything else. Uh, find the discipline to, to to do these things. And honestly, the, the, the best way to have that discipline is with checklists, with standard operating procedures. Work these things into your business. Make, make it so... You, you can't go home until these things are done. Have a checklist and work it into your daily operations. Don't just say, I'm going to do it. Like, make it happen because <laughs> it will it will have a positive impact on your operation. It will give you the information you need to make the right decisions. You owe it to yourself. Uh, so uh, just make it happen. And, uh, thanks again, Ryan, for coming on the show, sharing your, your knowledge with us. Uh, I love getting these these authorities on the show. Ryan, you're definitely one of them. And like always, guys, uh, please connect with me. I'm on social media at Eric Cacciatore on Snapchat, at Eric Cacciatore on Instagram. Not so active on Twitter anymore, I gotta be honest. It's just too noisy and loud, and uh, it's, not my, it's not my thing. So if I'm not active on, on Twitter, deal with it. Sometimes you just got to move on to new and different things. And uh, email me, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com, Facebook slash Restaurant Unstoppable. And the best way, the way I love connecting with my listeners is with those one-on-one chats. So 
head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash one-on-one. Set up that, that chat. Let me know who you want to hear from. Let me know what your challenges are, and I will do my best to get an expert on the show so we can learn together and keep those five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio coming. Guys, those reviews help validate all this hard work. Uh, so if you find value, if you're enjoying this content, let the world know and share it. <laughs> share it with everybody you know. Let's spread the word. It's free. We're here to make our industry better, to lift it up, to move it forward by sharing knowledge and just leaning on each other. So let's 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 share this resource with anyone you know uh, that could benefit from it. All right, that's all I have today. Thanks for sticking around this long. I love you all. Until next time, peace out. <laughs>